0: Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on my show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. Take what helps and leave the rest. Hi friends, it's Sarah May. This is an episode about forgiveness and processing and fear. I think I'm going to call it fear is a state of mind, but it's kind of about more than that. Um, This is for anyone who is currently doing any self-work and trying to grow your confidence. So it's something to listen to and practice if you are in that fear state or you are overly identified with your thoughts and those thoughts are heavily self-doubting for when you have like pain around life decisions or maybe you are one of those people that constantly repeats thoughts in the form of regret. Um, so it's really about forgiveness via acceptance of what is and what was and gentle practices around forgiveness, especially in the moments when you're like cringing at something you've done or you've said. So cringing of all kinds, past and recent. But the the main goal here is know thyself. So this is for moving into that state of relief and safety and self-knowledge. So I intend it for you to use related to yourself, not for others. So with that, there are three parts, the what, the why, and the how, the tools. And just a heads up, my sponsors will be mentioned right before part three, the how, the tools. All right, here we go. Part one, the what. So what I'm describing is a feeling of overthinking that we all suffer from, especially if you, for example, grew up with parents who instill self-doubt in you or t- talk you out of your feelings and m- very much guide your life decision making. So another term for this might be lack of individuation, meaning you just grow up not being able to trust yourself or not being able to s- separate as a, an adult individual. So maybe you rely heavily on the opinions of others as a means to move through life and feel at peace in yourself. So maybe that means you're relying on a relationship, a friend, many friends, your parents. Um, And what happens when we are this way is we often live as kind of a fractured version of ourselves and that self feels damaged or feels wrong all the time or maybe feels constantly in that state of regret of, I didn't do it right, I didn't do it right, or I lost that thing, or I didn't do blank, and so often we ruminate, we repeat stories about the thing that should happen differently, or we punish ourselves with our thoughts about what we did wrong, and it's just a very excruciating way to live, because <clears throat> we can't just be, we can't think freely, instead we kind of exist in that state of self-doubt and self-blame, where we're constantly worried, or guilty, or overthinking things that might, you know, to come. For me, I often overthink um, when I perceive I have disappointed somebody, and you can think of it like whatever situation you happen to be triggered by, you can think of it like you're flipping between two selves. There's the confident, open self, and then there's this other fearful, guilty self. So if that feels true for you, I would invite you to ponder what age your fearful, guilty self might be like in your particular life. The voice of fear and self-doubt is just for whatever it's worth. Mine is probably 15, 15, 16-ish. Could be 13, most often 15. Anyway, the voice of fear and self-doubt is often writing a script atop our lens. So we cannot simply witness life and engage with life. And the goal is to not only be able to peacefully be But to be able to remain in that state of peace and knowing always to be able to foster self-trust and move into the energy of acceptance and processing as soon as that fear, doubt voice comes up. So when we are able to do this, we can move through life freely with conviction. And I would call it like we're able to channel jump. You know, when we're in fear, we are constricted and limited and small. And your moves from that state are reactionary. When you are confident and safe, from here you are flexible, you are open, you are seeing, you can leap. You know, us minus the fear of self-doubt sees that we are highly capable. We can see that we are totally right in pursuing that next venture. We can see that it's not so bad if we have to start over. We can see that we didn't waste anything. We can see that we are mobile and capable. And most important, we can see that we mean well and that our heart is in the right place. So part of the reason I wanted to do this episode is often I find that in periods of my life, I'll go into that completely unconscious 15-year-old's Brain and I get into like plugged into the matrix you know like I I get into thought loops where are you're kind of sucked into and disconnected from your body and the present moment is lost and instead you're just you go into a solving mode almost like a hamster is moving food from one side of the cage to the other side of the cage. And it's kind of manic and it's unnecessary. but in the moment it just feels justified like we're getting somewhere solid. So we just overthink and overthink because it helps us feel in control of the anxiety. And the goal for me in that process is to release that urge to solve and simply accept. Accept the feeling of discomfort, accept the discomfort of not knowing the answer, and recognize that this is right and normal and just part of the path, part of the solving process and trusting myself enough to know that my instincts are coming from the right place, are coming from a right place. And from there, I can act and feel good about those actions and let go and not live in the past and not live in the fear state. Because that fear state can take up chunks of your lifetime if you're not aware of it. Which brings me to part two, the why. I think a lot of us suffer from this type of weakness especially if we went through a period of time where we had to sever contact with our basically lower half of our body with our gut and all of our instincts and hence we had to act in like a totally reactive way where we're just responding to other people because we have no connection to why we are doing what we're doing so examples of situations when this would happen include trauma lots of anxiety and worry that make it incredibly painful to be in your body. I think a lot of people are naturally anxious or have intense social anxiety. I had a ton of social anxiety as a kid and I would lock myself in the bathroom and cry all day if I was like at camp. So for people who don't have social anxiety, I would say there are everyday kinds of traumas like moving or changing schools or sexual assault is sadly a pretty common trauma sexual abuse, physical abuse, also pretty common, or experiencing a very painful sudden loss or just a painful loss. Um, or there are also things like when we make a, what we see as a misstep in our life and we attach a lot of meaning to this moment in our life and we think of it as a catalyst for all of these other bad things. So a lot of people will blame themselves for choosing the wrong blank, you know, or let's say it's the wrong partner, the wrong career move, the wrong investment, the wrong blank. It's just whatever it is, it's this thing we attach in our brains to the reason I don't trust me, which is a misnomer because it's not that you can't trust you, it's that you had to learn something very specific in that particular experience, something you didn't know before. So for a lot of people that happens with a relationship, for example, we have to learn to identify someone who is not trustworthy by learning how to see the red flags? And that is just really key to being able to not repeat the same mistakes. And so, if you have a, an experience like this in your past where you've attached a lot of negative meaning to it, like, oh, I really fucked that up, I can't trust me, I would invite you to look at that as your teacher for blank. What was that a teacher for? What did you need to learn from that experience? Because the most important thing is that we do not repeat the same mistake twice. In those moments of perceived failure, what we really need is curiosity. Curiosity about what mechanism or tool might have been missing from our wheelhouse and if you are repeating a a mistake over and over again then i would be extra curious what is it the thing that i'm missing what's the tool i can't seem to hold on to that's an area to explore that'll give you probably some really key missing ingredients to being able to function you know for me it was like i can't i can't live in my body without Um, needing desperately to escape my body. Huh, interesting. This is a thing, a problem I'm trying to solve with all these other mechanisms. What could be the reason that this is happening? I digress. That was uh, when I had to first seek therapy for the PTSD. Anyway, back to this why. I think another key cause of ambivalence or a lack of self-trust is a true unknowing of what we want. And when we cannot know how we feel, it's often because our core is just not strong enough yet and we have not yet consistently built up feedback in the areas that inform who we are and what we want and what we truly enjoy. And I would say that happens a lot when we are kind of guided by the opinions of others and we are made to feel doubtful of what we think. So if someone consistently tells you that what you think is wrong and what you feel is wrong, then you're gonna learn that. And what we really need to do is start from the beginning. We have to start really small and just start to get feedback about what it is we like, what it is we enjoy. Tiny, tiny, tiny things can give us that feedback. We can start, as I said, so small. The key in the situation is when just building up that container of self. When the container is strong enough, the unconscious will come out on its own. So just start anywhere to build a stronger sense of self-knowing, meaning any feedback about your joy, what you like, what you feel good at, what makes you smile. We can get this feedback from building up self-knowledge in any area like you can think of it like you're building up some part of your core muscle structure maybe that means you're doing crunches maybe that means you're doing planks maybe that means you're doing pull-ups but in a life sense so in a life sense that might mean you're organizing birthday parties for friends and you're seeing those parties go well and you're like I am good at organizing something so simple or it might mean you're doing creative writing on your off time and seeing that you actually get into a flow state it's something that you enjoy truly or that mean might mean you're taking a trip that you have chosen and you're watching yourself do really adventurous new exciting things i would say travel is a really effective way to build up this sense of autonomy and confidence because it's by default new it's new feedback You minus all of the routine, you minus all of the baggage. Or maybe that means you are getting a master's in an area that you've always been curious about. We just have to start somewhere. The goal is to get to know thyself, to build up a track record where we can see consistently who we are minus someone else's opinion, minus an outside influence of someone telling us what we should or shouldn't do, minus someone else's goal for us just to be able to self-validate that is it's so powerful it's so wonderful it's the holy grail it's just like what a relief It's it's such a relief more than anything which brings me to part three the how the tools but before i go into that a brief word from our sponsors All right, the first tool is a visualization and I'm calling it, who has entered the room? And this is one of those tools I think you can use in for the rest of your life really, use it often. I was talking to someone recently about this and I thought it would be a good fit for this episode. So when I am working on myself, I often think of trauma and triggers and basically the voice of fear or attack or pain. Uh, It comes out of me as though it is a person entering the room. It's a way for me to frame it mentally. So I want to invite you to do the same thing. I like to think of our emotional experience as whatever room we are in. And when something comes up emotionally, like a trigger, let's say, it's like a new person has entered. It's a separate entity. And that person or thing speaks through you but it has a different mindset. It has a different energy, a different quality. It says very specific things. So whoever enters that room, let's say it's you at age 10 and there is a specific milestone that that 10-year-old went through. Where's that 10-year-old coming from energetically? What, What does their fear say? Alternately, maybe it's You at age 22, right after you had your heart broken and you also had lost a big job at the same time, you know, what is that 20 year old self fearful of? What are they yelling about? What do they need desperately? Like, what is their deepest terror right now in their life? When they enter the room, they have a different kind of energy, they have a different um, loop of pain that they're mourning. Their voice is very specific. Also, other people in your family can enter the room. So sometimes it might be your mother that walks in. So I would just invite you to examine whether or not the words you are using in your fear state are yours. You know, is that pain yours or are you repeating things from somebody else's traumas? Because we also, we witness those traumas via our upbringing from our caregivers, for example, but there's also an element of inheritance. We, there's something called morphic resonance, which I talk about on occasion. There's also epigenetics, but the gist of it is we inherit energetic practices. Um, so like the fears and the emotions of our ancestors and very strongly our parents. So whatever their loops are, their loops of pain, you might be crying for the reasons your parent cried and those pains are not true for your life. They're not true and active in your present life. So just ask yourself, like, if the next time you are in a state of fear, overwhelm, you're emotionally triggered, is this my voice? Is this true to my current life now? Or is this someone else's pain? Is this obsolete pain that I'm still practicing just out of habit? And that's usually a way to just start to get to know those characters and separate from them in the moment they are taking over your body. Because then you can really quickly deescalate something that would otherwise derail a part of your life, a moment in your life, a situation in your life. All right, the next tool is a meditation and intention I would like you to set. And this is quite simply know thyself. This was gonna be the tattoo that I would get in script on my arm, my forearm, until I saw somebody else with the exact tattoo I wanted to get. Has nothing to do with this tool. Anyway, I want you to practice revisiting that still dark room that is presence. And just for a brief moment, let's all do it right now. Close your eyes safely and just visit that moment when everything gets quiet. I'm gonna stop talking so that can be actually true yeah that room that little moment right there the, the essence of the solution to fear is presence the essence of forgiveness is also presence just the ability to be present so this is our gift to foster for ourselves to have a novel and new experience that is not colored by all of the rest- constricted you know, retracted kind of fear emotions. So this is a tool, to just a reminder more than anything, when you come into that fearful state of self-doubt, we just recognize that old familiar feeling and come back into a state of presence. Just get into that quiet, dark room. I think it's really important as a general rule to curate moments as often as possible in your life, large or just little bite-sized chunks of time spent away from, the phone away from the computer away from media altogether and just disconnect and simply be just be empty be doing nothing just be observing nature the sky anything and i think when we can get into that moment of presence what we're really look, shopping for is that the sense of peace and serenity And I will caveat that this is much easier to do when we are capable of feeling safe in our bodies. And if you do not have that ability because of trauma, I would recommend instead a form of exercise or anything music driven to allow you to get into a flow state. So for a lot of people, that's very focused um, performance athletics of any kind. I know for a lot of people, it's dance, movement. I like yoga quite a bit. But the goal is to stay in your present mindset and just release that state of muscling, release that resistance state and get into that place of simply being in the moment with yourself. And if you do get trapped in that overthinking, kind of fearful state where you're thinking in loops, that's the first sign that you need to step back and take a a break from it you know take a break from it and know that you can't muscle your way there and for example let's set a timer if you're in that state a timer for 5 minutes and just breathe and feel and if it feels right for you you can say to yourself know thyself i also add sometimes i'm not an over i'm not an underthinker i'm an overthinker know you know thyself know you no matter what anyone says Remember where you are coming from. That is not trivial. That is not false. I know where I'm coming from. Just breathe into that knowledge and let go. All right. The next tool is called origin and bloom. When we are guided by fear and we are reactive to others, we often lose sight of what it is we want and we stop even thinking about that. So for people in this situation, I want you to think of it like this we are all oak seeds and all the potential is in the seed when it grows atop that tree it's all that whole the next tree is already inherent inside of that tiny seed there's a uh one of khalil Gibran's stories in the prophet one of his beautiful poems in the prophet is about the oak and the cypress tree and them not growing too close together because then they cannot be healthy individuals um and for my wedding, for our wedding, my husband and I enacted this specific passage as a ritual, like a part of the wedding ceremony. And so I am the cypress seed, mainly because when I was young, I used to climb to the top of my grandparents' cypress tree. And the tops of those trees are kind of like these, I don't know, pillars or like spindles of castles out of clouds I don't even know what to describe them as but they're pretty amazing so I'd climb to the top of this tree with all these little like spires and of cypress, and I would pretend I was like kind of the ruler of the world (laughs) the creator of this world this vast amazing um, impossible world not literally like this world but a world and that's mostly because I liked The Princess from Neverending Story. Um, and I would yell sometimes, Bastion, say my name. So that is a set of memories that is a self I return to often. This little girl who loved nature, the rain, the wind, and being at the top of a tree, looking down at a vast ocean. And when I am lost in my life where I'm thinking of like, what do I want really? I kind of ask her, you know, I'll I'll go back to this person and I'll say like, what does she really want? She wants magic. She wants nature. She wants to create worlds. She wants to play make-believe. She wants to be a princess. (laughs) So to find out what we really want in life as adults, if that practice has been taught out of us by society, by parents by expectations of uh, our needs by necessities i think for us to reconnect to that self to that origin and the truth of what our bloom is in our fullest form of our life often it's really helpful just to return to the mind of that of a childhood self an unfettered moment in your childhood so i want you i want to invite you to journal upon this Like what does your fully bloomed tree look like? What is already inherent in your oak seed and how always has been? And to find that answer, I think it's really helpful to go backwards to when we were very young and just see what was that young self's dream? Like what was their innocent energy like? What games did you envision? What was your most exciting, imaginative play scenario? Because that is still the same person you are now but you've been pruned and trained and shaped by obviously many valid experiences but I just want to invite you to journal on this maybe this this young self has something to tell you about what will make you happier in your life or what you want to foster more of you know so what is your original dream what was it then and I would also say if you want to if you ever per prefer to do this reflection right before bed i think that's another nice mindset to be in because you're just starting to cross that line into your unconscious so just ask what is the original dream what does my full bloom look like all right the next tool is called accept and dispel and this is for the the fear lie of powerlessness I often refer to painful thought loops as like this kind of defunct board game or like a game of dolls that we're playing with little, you know, as a child. And often what we do when we we talk about what we can't do or we talk about what we are not doing or we, we look at things in our life that are problems and we just stare at them but we do nothing. I use this metaphor of it's very much like we have picked up a board game of our life and we are playing this board game and we are saying this is the reason that this happened because sally can't do xyz and she will never do blank because xyz and when this happens in life we have to go over here and then we have to do this but we can't do this that's against the rules so in reality we could just get up put the game down and take an action but Instead, we are giving an external form of logic and a narrative to a situation that is active currently. Like it's actively within our power to affect it currently. But instead, we are constructing an illusion for ourselves as a way to not try. And we tend to play out our worries in this game as, as if it's reality. So we'll be playing this game and saying, like, these are the rules, we can't do this. But that is, in reality, it's a ruse. It is uh, just, it's very much an active decision. And what we are deciding in that moment is to avoid the feelings of fear and to not experience the vulnerability and the pain of the fear. Like we're saying, no, I don't, it's going to hurt. I'm afraid it's going to hurt. That's really what it is. But in reality, we are creating a bajillion times more pain via the inaction. So when we are saying, I'm not going to act, I'm not going to act, I can't act, all of that pain of just powerlessness is so much more painful than just being in the state of fear and vulnerability. So for example, like your inner monologue might say something like, I'm, I'm just... I'm not going to change. I'm just worried. I'm not going to change. I have no power. I just don't do things. I don't change my life. I don't take these actions. This is my situation. It's been the, my situation. So if that's an if those are any of the things you are saying to yourself or to your therapist or to whoever in your life, I would I want to ask you, what's the underlying feeling way below that? That's what we we know on our conscious on a conscious level. But below that, there is some other feeling. There is a much simpler but very potent feeling. I just want you to explore that. Think on it. I'll give you a hint. The feeling is a version of fear. It's a version of fear of pain. And when we are able to ask, like, what is that, what is that fearful longing? What is the thing I'm craving? when we can identify it and know that it's true, the second question I want you to ask yourself is what is one action I can take in service of this fearful longing? And I think key, super key, if this is at all registering for you and it feels true in any way, the most important thing I want you to do is take a concrete action now. That is the easiest and simplest antidote any action any action in service of whatever your ultimate goal is and i mean literally at this very moment so if you're one of those people who can relate to this i want you to put this on pause and i want you to take any action you know something in service of your life that needs changing for maybe that's texting a person confirming you're gonna do the thing you need to do maybe it's buying a book maybe it's calling a therapist Anything simple. But what we have to do if we have a habit of procrastinating or we have a habit of looking at our in our powerlessness, we have to teach ourselves via witnessing these very spur of the moment actions. Very feel they feel like they're trivial actions. We have to witness ourselves doing enough of those things to witness and learn that we are not powerless. And over a very short amount of time, we reach a ratio of action that is greater to then that ratio of inaction. And that is when the adult self sees that we are not what our old board game of fear wants to tell us we are. Like We start to see like, oh, that's an obsolete fear because I've witnessed myself just throwing myself into action so many more times recently than I have not done actions. If that makes sense? So that was a heady one. Hope that made sense. All right, moving on. Next tool is called money flow. So this is for anybody. It's a kind of a frame around anyone who has issues around a loss of money, a bad decision in money. So it's for forgiveness around money and kind of returning to kind of a rational energy around it because money is a concept and it will be a flow throughout your life it can move out of your life, but it can also move in like a giant wave. So to kind of restore your relationship to it, you just have to return to that energy. And I would invite you to also just examine the energy you are bringing to it today, right now. Like, is it fearful? Is it constricted? Is it blind? Or is it neutral? Like, is this energy Activating Does it empower you to make good decisions or is it a feeling of falling backwards, you know, a, a clenched feeling of fear? And w- the goal is really just to return to a sense of receptivity. You know, I'm not saying like, go ahead and spend all your money. <laughs> it's coming back in in a wave. It has nothing to do with that. It's really just about the energy, the physical energy you bring to your awareness of it you know and the goal is just to be in the energy of safety receptivity and um neutrality you know I think for a lot of people it's it we create milestones around money and what it uh should be or what we did wrong and that marker it's like we've created a fictional marker in our life that we're paying tribute to when it's just a concept to begin with. It's forever will be a concept concept that is changing in your life. And for us to be able to return to uh, a state where we can work with it and welcome it and bring more of it into our lives, we have to be able to feel that emotional separation from it, if that makes sense. I hope that one translated. All right, the next tool is rule of oh, th- well, it's a rule of thumb, and it's for any big questions. Just a very simple tool. Ask yourself questions about life when you when you feel safe and powerful, not weak and clingy. Super basic, but a lot of people I think will make big decisions about a partner, about a place to live, about a school, about a job, when they feel less than or clingy or desperate and when in reality you should always be making those moves and those decisions when you feel confident and safe and clear-headed and on the level that's it that's the tool all right the next tool is called am i tangly or am i brushed (laughs) i think i thought of this because i was trying to brush my daughter's hair and she fought it (laughs) so when we get into that energy of black and white and when we start to feel like inflexible this is when shit hits the fan so in that position how can you get back to the flow of acceptance like when we're just floating on top of the waves so just breathe and recognize you know just recognize the state so the voice of the triggered self is myopic and will continually focus on a dot like that that's triggered self will repeat a defense over and over and over again. That self will see no options. will say, it has to be this way or no other way. It can't, I can't possibly make it anything other than this thing. Like that self is so blind and rigid. And when you are in that flow safe state, you can see all of the different options. You can see all the different variations. You can see like, maybe this doesn't have to happen now. Maybe there's a different version of the plan that I can can execute that is not gonna make my life into a living hell. So just notice those two selves and see what they sound like. All right, the next tool is a, it could be a journal reflection, could also just be a reflection you do right now. I'm calling it dropping the bit. So we all to some degree have a performance we are putting on in our life for others, for ourselves, And I think a lot of the time, especially as adults, we feel trapped by those. So by bit, I mean like the role we feel like we have to play, the script we feel like we have to say, and the little, you know, the things we say we don't mean. And the things that make us feel alone in our lives, even when we're surrounded by people. So the goal, I think, this is my opinion, the goal for a happy life is to be able to be yourself in all circles to be consistently you. And the reason I say that is because when we have to change ourself for a different audience, what happens is that self gets fractured. The self gets watered down. We are telling ourselves that this part of us is not true, that this part is somewhat l- false. You know, We're also kind of telling ourselves that some part of us is worth hiding. And so it just makes us take on a habit of compartmentalization within as well you know? So even if you have to put on a smile at your corporate job or your very boring job that you don't enjoy, maybe there's a middle that allows you to still feel authentic, you know? I'm just asking you to reflect on this, like how can I bring more of my true self into all areas of my life so that I can just be one me? What if there's just one you everywhere? Wouldn't that be kind of cool and amazing? wouldn't it also be better for everybody else that interacts with you? I would, I would think so. All right, next tool I'm calling, uh, the effective core work. (laughs) So this is really just to remind you, keep what's working to, in your life as you build on the core. Like often I think when you know, we're growing ourselves, we're doing a lot of like major work on our life. You can think of it like this metaphor of healing a broken bone. So one way to heal yourself while also not destroying or crippling the rest of yourself is just to retain what's working. Like keep what is working in your routine, whatever the routine is that like, let's say, you know, partner, job, uh, where you live, um, your workout, your health, whatever, whatever, routine, whatever you can keep intact while you work on one particular thing in your life, do it. Because we have to start by building up muscle. Like if we're doing a lot of really gnarly work, we need to have enough support in the rest of our life. So it's kind of like, you know, when you're tethered to a mountain, like let's say you're rock climbing, like you can use your arms if your body is the thing that is very securely attached to that mountain. So some of the best self-work is done when we are very stable in a relationship that is, for example, temporary. Or maybe that job is super consistent and reliable, but you don't love it, but it's allowing you to have stability enough to work on, you know, your relationship, whatever it is. So maybe nothing else in your life needs to change right now while you work on this one thing that's building up the core essence that is you. So Net, net. Don't uproot anything before you have to, in order to make very consistent growth in one area. We need to have the happiness flowing in from s- some areas in order to keep ourselves fed emotionally. All right. The next tool, just to add on to that. Actually, I will say also a lot of people when I talk to um, a lot of people, then they're and they're talking about a career change. It'll be this decision in their mind of like, how can I jump into this other career immediately? And I think a lot of growth and change can come simultaneously. We can start to build up this new avenue in our lives while we still retain all of the security of our current life. So just don't, you know, don't uproot uproot anything until you have to. All right, next tool. Fear is a state of mind. So this is a frame for when we are weighing big decisions in our life. We have to talk ourselves out of the instinct instinct often. Like, you know that thing where, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but like if you have those a pair of jeans from high school and you're like, I'm just going to wear those, I'm going to squeeze into those things and I'm going to do it, damn it. (laughs) But it's not going to make you, they're not going to feel good (laughs) necessarily. So in that moment where you're going to try and do that, like you just you got to resist the instinct to do that. You got to, at some point you got to be like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to donate these jeans. So same goes for when you get into that fear state. When we're in that state, we have to return our physical body to a place of safety and remind ourselves just to talk yourself out of that habit, you know, remind yourself like there is no wrong answer in my life. Everything I go through is valid and useful. And all that matters is I am heading in the general right direction, like moving in the general direction of good and positive and self-honoring self-knowledge. So I would ask you just that to frame things in that very simple way. Am I honoring something that is true for me in this, in this act? Am I furthering something that is positive in my life? Or am I doing it this at the cost of myself? Is this becoming a punishment on myself? And another additional question I could ask, have I overthought this? If so, I am probably making this decision, this decision based on some really valid opinions. And those are my tools. I hope these are helpful. Um, before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Alana Thank you so very much. And Marianne, thank you so very much. And anyone who has the means for a donation, I appreciate them. You can go to yaywithme.com and click donate, or you can visit my Patreon page. I have some additional content there. And if you don't have the means, I totally get it. If you could share this episode with someone, it could help. That would help me immensely as well. So in closing... For all scenarios where you are doubting yourself or you are unable to speak, unable to express yourself, the open flow of your voice is really just the key. Like when people do not have the ability to express what is inside, this is how we lose our rhythm. We lose our beat. And that's when health problems come about. That's how chronic pain starts to come about. So we need to express what is within and be heard, and be seen, and connect, and find common ground, and I would say that's also key in just creating healthy society. You know, to be able to communicate and share ideas, and when you are are starting this habit of expressing yourself, it's it, it'll feel scary, and it'll feel uncomfortable, it'll feel it'll feel vulnerable, but it is the truest form of respect and trust and love you know when you express what is it within you to others it is showing so much bravery and it's also such a gift to someone else to be vulnerable it's like an honor if anyone is that way with me it's such an honor and I would say just allow yourself to take baby steps and as you start to do that things kind of we we start to unite with ourselves we start to unite with lost parts of ourselves parts that we cut off that we pushed away and this is how we kind of we become seamless we start to move with all of our body we get one strong resonant voice and that is how we get health and freedom and ultimate self-love and I encourage you to do it I encourage you to walk this path When we can get into that state of self trust and self embrace, we get into a consistent state of flow. You know, it's like you're able to dance with all of your body. You can sing throughout your life. And that is when we have a strong core that gives us the balance to move through very difficult situations with confidence. And it allows us to trust ourselves. You know, it allows us to feel good about who we are, even if others are mad at us or other people don't agree with us it'll also allow you to see any learning and any gift and any failure and see it as like a a way that we can actually climb higher it's like there's so much valuable learning in anything that we feel is a misstep and that is how we we jump you know to the bonus levels of our life so i send you my love and don't forget to smile